we have kind of landed on God's love this morning. I don't know if you've sensed that, but with the music. Um, Wednesday, uh, during the teaching, uh, the moderator said that uh, they had a life group in their home and he brought up the fact how much God loves each of them and in the process one of the ladies started crying and and she said I've, I've never experienced God's love I, I don't think he could love me and uh, um, and so that was that was addressed in this morning you may you may feel that God loves everybody but you and I can tell you that's how I used to think there was a time in my life that I felt God loved everybody but me. I wasn't good enough. I had all these hang-ups. And so I made excuses why God couldn't love me. But I'll tell you something. I got tired of living my life like that, making excuses why God couldn't love me. It paralyzed me in my walk with Christ. And I just flat out got tired of it. And I had a, because it was a stronghold, and that's the way it is. I believed the lie for so long, it became truth to me. And that can happen in your life. And if you believe a lie long enough, it becomes a stronghold, and the enemy loves to hang out in that environment. Lies, deception. And I had to ask God to forgive me, and I had to renounce uh, my sin that had become a stronghold and I can tell you, man, the floodgates of, of God opened up and to be able to um, experience God's love. It has radically changed my life. And it impacts not only relationships with each other, but ultimately my relationship with the Lord. It's liberating. So, case in point... Uh, Sunday morning, we have an opportunity to come and tell God how great he is via music. And we, we could come in and we can do the golf clap. You know the golf clap? Can you hear it? I can't hear it. Oh, there you can. You got to mic the golf clap. And you can hum through the songs, but I'm telling you something, friend. When God, when you sense his love for you, you clap with power and you push the diaphragm with volume in the music to tell him how great he is. It's liberating. So why go through life humming and golf clapping to God when he has done so much for you? He has done so much for you. And he has a great love for you. So if you're struggling this morning and we're, hey, we're talking about marriage today. That's where we land in Ephesians 5 as we're walking through the book. You just happen to show up today, and you're probably thinking, dude, I am so sad I'm here. That's okay, because what God wants to do with married couples, he wants to do with singles. I understand there are people here that are divorced. Your spouse walked out on you, and you felt that pain. Or your spouse has died. And you're single, you've chosen not to marry or you want to get married. That's okay with all of those things that God is here today. And this message about marriage is applicable for every single one of us.
Because I tell you, when you put your faith in Christ, you are married to him. And you are part of his church. You are part of the bride of Christ, which puts great worth and value on you. And so this morning, right off the top, Lord, if I have believed a lie about you, if I have believed that I am not good enough in your eyes, forgive me. And I renounce that lie in Jesus' name. And this morning, while your word is spoken and taught, break through the hardness of my heart and the calluses around my mind and invade every part of me with your great love. Let that happen. And through the process, the great name of Jesus Christ will be honored in you. So let's talk to the Lord. Father, we thank you this morning for your great love. And we thank you that we have an opportunity to come together under that great name of Jesus, that name that's above every name, that one day every knee, every knee will bow before and say that you are Lord. That day's coming. And how we put that out of our minds and we get so busy with things that really don't matter. Lord, today we want, we want this time to make a difference. Not only for today, but for the rest of our lives. And so we pray for that to happen through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Shauna Palat had had enough. She was washing dishes on a Sunday morning. Her husband had gone out partying Saturday night and still had not come home. She said, uh, I was home with my son Drake. He was three at the time. And it was very common for my husband Rick to be out all night. I knew that he was unfaithful to me. And I'll tell you what, at that morning, that Sunday morning, I was at the end of my rope. And so while she's washing dishes, she's clanking them because she's so ticked off at her husband. She had the television on in the kitchen. And there happened to be a pastor that was, was talking. He invited the people uh, on the screen to their church service that morning in Winnipeg, Canada. And so something resonated within her thinking, man, that's, uh, that's something I can do. I'm going to get my son dressed as fast as possible. And on the way to church, Shauna was thinking, I'm going to get emotionally strong enough to kick Rick out of my house. I've tried marijuana. I've tried alcohol. I've tried various drugs to fill the holes in my life, to try and put Rick out of my mind. I think this is going to be the answer, going to church. At the end of the talk at church that morning, the pastor presented the gospel. And Shauna had listened and she sensed the great love of God that had, he had for her and she placed her faith in Christ. She never looked back. Something, something radical happened. Life transformation took place in her life and Rick, in fact, noticed it. And three weeks later, he asked Shauna if he could go to church with her. And so for the next five weeks, he had attended church, 
but there was a battle raging on the inside of him. Yes, he knew what he had to do to get right with God, but he was so addicted to drugs, sexual addictions, man. It had a grip on him. He said, I was going to church and wanting to do right, but I kept doing wrong, man. I was going... And so finally, they had a men's conference at the church, and he finally realized that he needed to put his faith in Christ. That would be the difference maker. Come as you are, just as I am. Just as I am without one plea, I come. You come as you are. You don't clean yourself up. You can't clean yourself up first. You come as you are, and Jesus will clean you. He'll forgive you. He'll exchange your unrighteousness for his righteousness. What an exchange, huh? And at that conference, Rick placed his faith in Christ. And he came home and he told Shauna, I can be the husband you need me to be from now on. Rick and Shauna's life took a huge turn from that point on. Today they're very active in their local church and together as husband and wife they are mentoring and counseling with couples that are struggling in their relationship. Rick said, when I think how Jesus can change people no matter how deep in sin they are, that overwhelms me. And if he did it for us, he can do it for anybody. And I want to submit that to you this morning. I don't know where your marriage is. I don't know if you're you're looking at calling it quits But man, if God can reconcile a marriage with Rick and Shauna, he can reconcile your marriage, friend. Because that's what he loves to do, transform lives for his great name. Let God be the glue in your marriage. Let God be the glue in your relationships. God is the designer of marriage. And it is an incredible thing When we read this text this morning in Ephesians 5, when you look at all the options God had to take marriage um, or hold up the relationship that God has with the world, he chose to put his endorsement on marriage. When a man and woman come together as husband and wife, that is to be the model that we hold up to the world that points to the relationship that Jesus has with the church. Isn't that incredible? Does does it create any doubt in your mind why marriage is under attack today like never before? Because God created it. God modeled it. And I tell you what, we walk away, we put a stiff arm to God, And we open the door for Hollywood to tell us how we should live our lives and how our relationships should look like. That's what our country has done. Are you surprised when you look at marriage today, the stress that it's under? Chip Ingram, pastor, Christian author, wrote this, I have learned that The supernatural power of God's love can empower me to do the impossible and the uncomfortable. With God's help, I can give my wife what she needs, and that doesn't come easy for me. I admit that the struggle often comes because at the core, I am a selfish guy. (laughs) Can I tell you that 
God, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all got together and they said, man, uh, these human beings, man, they are so messed up, you know. They're so selfish. They're so full of pride. Let's, let's give marriage. Uh, let that be the tuning fork in, in all their relationships because marriage will expose your selfishness, my selfishness, like nothing else. Have you noticed? And Chip Ingram is transparent enough to say, hey, I'm a selfish guy. I'm a selfish guy. But he says, I'm also letting God change my heart over the years, I've learned to give what I know says I love you to her even after I've been wounded or she has failed to meet my expectations. And in like manner, I've watched her love me even when I've been the most unlovable. So, in our culture today, marriage is mocked. It's old-fashioned. It's old traditions. Um... A Pew report said that 44% of Americans under 30 millennials believe that marriage is heading for extinction. But 95% of Americans want to get married someday. Isn't that interesting? Huh? Isn't that interesting? How does, how does that look? So this morning we're going to take a look at Ephesians 5 and... Um, uh, in the back of your program, you've got an outline. You can fill in the blanks, and we encourage you to do that. The verses are on that, uh, on the outline as well. So Ephesians 5, uh, verse 21. Further, Paul writes, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, that means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. As a church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Um, Albert Hubbard was asked about mm, what marriage looks like, and he said, marriage is a legal or religious ceremony by which two persons of the opposite sex solemnly agreed to harass and spy on each other, for 99 years or until, until death do them join. So how's that spying going out there? Huh? Yeah. Number one in your notes, the starting point, filled. I purposely did not read verse 18 initially because... Um, I kind of wanted to go 
Ha! (laughs) And the point is, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 21, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The starting point, the starting point for having a great marriage, the starting point of having really a great relationship with the Lord is that you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul makes that assumption when he's writing about marriage. He, he goes back to verse 18, and he's making the assumption that you've settled that as an individual, that you have been filled with the Spirit. Therefore, because you're filled with the Spirit, it will enable you to what? To submit to one another. See? Paul recognizes that, humanly speaking, because of our pride and our selfishness, we, you know, who am I that I'm going to submit to anybody? You know, we kind of had that nose up in the air and, you know, I'm my own person. Who are you to tell me to do or whatever the case may be? Paul is making the assumption that before you get to verses 22 for 33, that you have been filled with the Spirit. Because that's what you're going to need. You're going to need that to submit yourself to each other. Now, verse 21, further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, so ladies, we're going to get to you in a moment, but please do not put your earplugs in your ears and shut this thing down off the top because Paul is telling each one of us each one of us, that we need to submit to one another. Okay? That's not, he's not just ladies, verse 21. It's everybody. We are to submit to one another. And Paul is also making the assumption that when we go into marriage, that we're not, we're not wounded people looking for our spouse to, to make us whole. And I say it this way, when, when we are, um, when we look at ourselves as, you know, I've got all of this baggage and I've got all of this stuff and even I don't know if God loves me and my spouse will love me, see, can I tell you that's not the way it should look. Paul is making the assumption that when you go into marriage, you're coming in as a whole person. You're not a perfect person, but you're a whole person. The whole person from the standpoint, I get my identity from God. He made me. He has a purpose for my life. He loves me. So I don't have to go into marriage feeling insecure that my spouse needs to tell me he loves me or she loves me to make me feel good. I am loved by God, which liberates me to love my spouse. And you've heard me say this before, that in the family, in the home that I grew up in, my mother was wounded right from the first day they got married. And for the 98% of their marriage, she carried that wound with her. Whereas my father experienced God's love. He took that in and it, it liberated him to love my mother when he got nothing back. But at the end of my mother's life, she was able to receive God's love and then love my father. I saw it happen. 
So don't give up on it. God's great love. Because being filled with the Spirit, this is what happens, friends. We go to Galatians 5. When we're allowing God to pour his presence, the Spirit fills us with his presence, something happens, just like it happened with Rick and Shauna Palat in Winnipeg, Canada. It can happen to you. God flushes, you know, that selfishness and pride and ego, and he fills it with his presence. And look what happens. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, Paul is saying, since we are Spirit-filled, we're allowing the Spirit to, to... Show us which way and how we should live and how we we should respond and what path we should take. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, even into marriage or into every relationship that you have. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Being filled with the Spirit is being full of God. Now, I get it. I get it. When you're on the road and somebody cuts you off, it's like, God bless that person. (laughs) They're having a bad day, you know. That's not me. Maybe it's you, but it's not me. Everything inside me, man, put the foot to the pedal, you know. (laughs) And a variety of other things come to mind. So where does God go? Well, see, there's that interesting battle that goes on. Are we going to allow God's Spirit to influence us in everything? You know, because that old nature likes to rise up, doesn't it? You notice that? Especially when your ego's been stamped on. Ooh, I'm going to get back at you. Well, so what's going on? Is your life being controlled by God's Spirit or is it being controlled by something else? That's, That's a good question. So, choosing, choosing to allow God's Spirit to work in our lives, that's, that's important. Kevin Miller tells a story about he had just finished cutting the lawn, and he said it was a perfect time to put some uh, weed and feed on the grass. He goes into his garage, and unfortunately, he can't find any, so... He comes into the kitchen and he tells Karen, his wife, I'm going to go to the store and get some weed and feed. And she said, well, the kids and I are waiting for you to go to the pool with us. And Kevin says, well, that can wait. And Karen says, honey, we promised the kids would all go. And Kevin says, the next thing I knew, we were in a heated battle in the kitchen. And... He said, I knew what I wanted, and what she wanted could wait. You see how that works? Isn't that, we we fall into that trap, you know? What I want is what's most important. Well, that's why Paul is addressing that to the church in Ephesus, and he's talking to us at Life Church this morning. We can learn. Number two, the evidence 
there's evidence when we are spirit-filled, and we see that with ladies submit. Once again, we, we go back to verse 18, for the ladies to submit to their husbands, you, you, Paul says it takes the power of the Holy Spirit for that to happen. Verse 22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. Now, what's interesting here, it's kind of like a sandwich. Paul, uh, the top piece of bread, he's talking about wives submitting to your husband, but in the middle of the sandwich, he goes to the model of Jesus and the church. And, and he's basically saying, ladies, why wouldn't you want to submit to your husbands when Jesus is the head of the church and we submit to him? It should be automatic. No debate. Right? And then on the bottom of the sandwich, the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. You see that? So Paul is saying that submission in the church should follow from submission in the home. The, the question is, though, are we, are we, the body of Christ, submitting ourselves to Christ? And I can tell you flat out, by the condition of Christianity in America, no, it's not happening. It's not happening. We're, we're picking and choosing on how we will submit to what God wants for us in our lives. Right? That's what we're going to do. We're going to pick and choose, man. God is God. He created me, but I'm the boss, we basically tell God. Well, if it's not happening in our relationship with the Lord, it's going to be a struggle in your marriage. Paul is saying, ladies, 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 look. Look at Jesus, the head of the church. He's the groom, the bridegroom, the church, the body of Christ. We're, we're the bride. We're the bride. So ladies, because of the great love that God has for you and the great love that you have for God, submit to your husbands. That's what, that's what he's saying. So ladies, um, you've got great worth and value. We're not talking about ladies being doormats, by the way. No, not, that's, not, that's not the road. We're not talking about you being silent partners in your relationship with your husband. That's not what we're talking about. Elizabeth Elliot, the uh, wife of Jim Elliot, who was martyred back in the day, wrote this, the best thing a woman can do for her husband is to make it easy for him to do the will of God. Yeah, that, that's good. Now, in order to put a little light on what Paul's writing about here in Ephesians 5, we go back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Let's, let's look at that, verse 26. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign. Let's pause. They, who's they? It's the man and the woman. They, not just the man. The man and woman, they will reign. Over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then what happens? Verse 28, then God blessed them. 
and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Can I tell you today, when you look, when you look at this um, part of God's word, can, can you see the resistance against us in our culture today? Can you? Yes or no? Yeah. It, it's obvious, isn't it? Why do you think that is? Because humanistic thinking is we don't need God. We are God. Human beings are God. And if there's no God, we can do whatever we want. See, And we can define culture however we want it to look. And so God made it pretty clear here, didn't he? Yes or no? He sure did. I think it's pretty clear. Are, are you confused? Anybody confused this morning? No. Okay. Genesis 2.18, coming off Genesis 1, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So, so the ladies kind of go south here, helper. You know, they look as at the word helper as, you know, a secondary citizenship, you know, like, I'm just a helper. But you need to go back to the original Hebrew to find out what helper literally means, ladies, before you start blowing up here. The word helper in the Hebrew is the word ezer, E-Z-E-R. It means suitable helper, partner together. Now, uh, I've got pictures. Um, I've got some in my office here and some at home of uh, when our boys were little. I had a rake in my hand, and they had rakes in their hand, and we're standing side by side to get a picture. And I, it would be like, these are my little helpers. These are my little helpers over here. How would it look if I go up to my wife, Debbie, and pat her on the head? She's my little helper. Would that fly? No, it wouldn't fly. Because that's not what the meaning is here. It doesn't mean that women are little helpers. In fact, when you look at Ezer in the Old Testament, the majority of times that it's used, it's talking about God. It's talking about God himself. Check this out. God is our easer. God is our help, our strength, and our deliverer. So what God's word is saying is that women are very, very important in the eyes of God. Just like God was a helper to his people in the Old Testament, a woman is a helper to her man. You know, it's like God, God is our strength and our deliverer. Um, Ladies, you are really being promoted here in the Bible. That should put a big smile on your face this morning, you know, that you are blessed. You are an easer and God has put his hand on your life and he's blessed you. So. Jewish rabbis put it this way, God didn't take woman from Adam's head to rule over him or from his foot to be a slave, but from his side. Not from his front to lead him or his back to follow him, but from his side to complete him. 
good. It's good. So, first gathering, I kind of went off here, and I don't want you to miss this. That in our culture today, the last decade, maybe two, we have seen the animal kingdom elevated and the human beings deflated on their worth. I don't, you know, I get it, you know, people calling the police if there's a dog in a car and it's 80 degrees out, you know. It's a mystery to me why we're not more concerned about children. Children in the womb. No value, nobody's talking about that. But all these animals, ooh, baby. And then, ladies, if you had an abortion, you bring that to Jesus Christ and you ask him to forgive you. And he will forgive you. Don't beat yourself up and carry that wound, unconfessed sin. Bring it to him, confess it, and he will forgive you. Friend, he will do that. But as we've done that with the animals, we've also done something else. We've taken the male and we've deflated him below the women. We've inflated women above men in our culture today. Have you noticed that? Is that God-honoring? No. That's not what we're talking about here. It's not what we're talking about. When God looks at a man and he looks at a woman, they are valuable to him. And one is not over the other. But when we're looking at a marriage relationship, God is saying when a decision needs to be made, the man should make it if a decision has to be made, if there's confusion in the matter. He's the head, as Jesus is the head of the church. You can't have two heads. Two heads create a monster, right? And so, how come I'm not hearing any yo's this morning? Huh? Yo! Yo! Huh? Is that true or not? Is what I'm saying true or not? All I'm doing is reading the Bible. So, we either believe it or we don't. We're going to listen to what Hollywood says, you know, and how, what's right and wrong, or are we going to listen to what God has to say? I'm with God. I'm on God's side. So, so, ladies, you are great. You are worth, you are very, very important, very valuable. You are blessed in the eyes of God. Rest in that. Ladies, you, you could start an easer club. Let's do it. Somebody get on that right now. Life Church Easer Club. Here we go. <laughs> Three, more evidence. Men love like Christ. Now there's more evidence when you're spirit-filled. Verse 25, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. 
He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Aren't you glad for that? No spot, no wrinkle, no blemish. Instead, she, that's you and me, will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. Once again, Paul is going back to the model of Jesus and his church to say, men, you need to love your wives just like that. That's the model. And uh, one evening, a, a dad and his daughter, uh, Crystal, were sitting on the couch having a, couch having a conversation. And um, Crystal, out of the blue, says, Daddy, you're the boss of our house, right? And her dad smiled. Yeah, yeah, Crystal, you got that right. You got that right. And uh, Crystal quickly broke in and said, because mommy put you in charge, right, Daddy? (laughs) It's one of those oops, you know, oops. Um, Listen, um, Jesus, Jesus died for the church. More evidence that men love like Christ. Tony Evans, um, being the spiritual leader, we, as men, God places that mantle on the man to lead his family spiritually. And Tony Evans put it this way, spiritual headship is God telling the woman to duck so he can punch the man. face mask on or guard, I don't know. Um, men, we are to be servant leaders. You know, I, I, I loved Debbie when I married her, but I can tell you, man, I was, I was messed up. I was selfish, you know? I was selfish, and, and Debbie beat it out of me. <laughs> no, she didn't. No, she didn't. I'll tell you what happened um, is as I got older and as I read the Bible and God poured more, I allowed him to pour more and more of his love into me. That in turn, um, and it came on this text and it motivated me to love Debbie sacrificially, you know, sacrificially. And so the love that I had for when I married her uh, looks pretty shallow compared to where it is today because this definition of what a man and spiritual leadership looks like, it, it's, it's a tremendous thing, I think, for a man to be able to love his wife the way Jesus loved the church. And for that to happen, we need to be spirit-filled, guys. We need to be full of God's spirit. You know? So... John Bryson, uh, part of the 33 Men series for guys, put it this way. We've got a generation of males that never grow up to be men who take up their role as servant leaders. Boys who never become men. Most guys feel like they're good husbands if they provide food and shelter for their families. That's the standard. 
Men, possums give their offspring food and shelter. Is that the bar we want for men? When I grow up, I want to be just like the possum. Is that you? Huh? Oh, yeah, man. A true man is a servant leader leading spiritually, taking responsibility. Somebody else put it this way. Boys blame, men own. Boys take, men give. Boys complain, men figure out. Boys pout, men endure. Boys wish, men do. Boys start, men finish. Boys stiffen their neck, men bend their knees. One of the resources I enjoy having in the car with me besides my wife is the, is the phone app for, with the GPS on there. You know, I can't tell you how many. I hate being lost. How about you? I hate it. There's little, little people inside me that are just jumping up and down when I'm lost. I can't, they want to get out of me because it's so frustrating. Get me out of here! You know, it's like I hate it. And when I hear her GPS going up, recalculating, it's kind of liberating, you know, because I know I'm going to get back on the right direction, the right path I need to go. Don't, guys, doesn't that feel good to know you're going in the right direction? Well, this morning, maybe the Spirit of God needs to do some recalculating in the men's lives here. Huh? Maybe we've been off course. Maybe we've been going in the wrong direction. Maybe we've been following Hollywood. Maybe we've just been following our selfish desires, guys. Maybe we need the Spirit of God to recalculate us. Mm. Yes, Lord. I'll follow Jesus' example. And let that happen. So that Jesus' name could be honored. Number four, the picture of marriage. My motivation. Listen, friend, what motivated me to love my wife the way I do was the picture of Jesus' love unto church. That, that model, that picture motivated me. It was like, you know, it was kind of like the shot in the arm. Boom! Do it this way, Bob. And yes, there's, there were, there's been times of resistance for sure. But can I tell you something that God has been transforming me, and that's one of the cool things about following, pursuing Christ over time. There is selfish bits of Bob Lee all over the place, along the trails, man, because God's been refining me. I'm not perfect, but God is making me more like him. And I can tell you something, that is a cool place to be, right? When you see God working in your life, becoming more like Christ, and that is, that is the goal. Did I read the scripture yet? I've got all excited. 31. Did I read verse 31 yet? No? Yes? No. Let's read it. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Do you see what Paul is? He keeps coming back to the model. 
So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. You know, Paul is summing up the talk here to husbands and wives. And wives, you give your your husband the gift of unselfish respect. And husbands, you give your wives the gift of unselfish sacrifice. Sometimes we get into these traps. Well, my wife, she doesn't respect me. And there's no way I'm going to love her like Jesus loves the church. That's not fair. Do you ever think like that? Wife, my husband, he doesn't love me the way. There's no way I'm going to respect him. He's he's just he's not good. So we make excuses why we can't do what we're designed to do. I was talking to a a friend of mine a couple weeks ago. His in-laws are in their 80s and their their health is failing. And he said they. The husband and wife, they put their faith in Christ in their late 40s, early 50s. And prior to putting their faith in Christ, their marriage just kind of coexisted. But he said what's troubling is they're in their 80s and their, and their life is, is winding down. They're, they're dealing with a lot of health issues. And he said they still don't talk to each other. There's no communication. It's just like two people in the same house, but there's no relationship. And how can that be, friend? How can that be? Because the man has not humbled himself. He has pushed God's endorsement of spiritual leadership out the door. How sad. How sad. It doesn't have to be like that. And so, Dr. Kelly Flanagan, uh, you've got it in your notes there. Um, You can be right or you can be married. Take your pick. (laughs) And and if marriage is going to work, it needs to become a contest to see which spouse is going to lose the most. That has been fun in our house. I remember when we had little dudes and little ladies, babies, I should say, um, and they would cry. They usually cry at night. You notice that? Middle of the night, 2.59 a.m. And for a man to be able to get out of bed and bring that baby to my wife, that was fun. That was fun because... because I'm, I was second, you see. I was second. I was willing to lose my right to sleep because I'm the man. But to defer to my wife and say, I love you so much, honey. You stay in bed, I'm going to go get the baby. You see that? It's fun! So you, you look for ways to lose. And losing is good. You know what I mean. In the midst of a bad day, you seek to make life easier for your spouse. See, that's losing. Philippians 2, 3, and 4, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You know what the interesting thing is? So often we, we read this verse and we don't apply it to our marriages. We don't apply it to our spouse. 
and our imperfect marriages, you know, our struggles, our arguments, you know, maybe it seems like an unlikely candidate for such a holy picture, but you know what? As we struggle toward expressing unselfish respect and unselfish sacrifice, guess what? Our marriages can become a picture of the love of Christ. And the world is watching. God picked marriage to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you see a husband and and wife loving each other, submitting to each other, they're saying, wow, wow, what's that all about? And you could say, Jesus died for the world so that we could have a relationship with his father. He sacrificed his life. He laid down his life. And one day he's coming for his bride. What a picture. The gospel is the power for your marriage. And so, as the church submits to Jesus, the wife submits to her husband. As Jesus loves his church, the husband loves his wife. It's a great place to be. Great place to be. If you go into Washington, D.C., you'll see, man, all kinds of cool buildings and monuments. And you walk through those buildings and you see portraits of the founding fathers and on and on and on. It's, it's quite, a, quite a place to visit. Several years ago, there was something that happened on January 13th, 1982. Air Florida flight... 90 crashed into the 14th Street Bridge. Foul weather, mechanical malfunction, human error contributed to the crash. And there were only six passengers that survived the crash. The plane hit the bridge and landed in the Potomac icy waters, and just the tail of the plane was sitting on top of the water, and the survivors were hanging on. A bystander... Lenny Skutnik jumped into the water as one of the women was actually trying to swim to shore, but was struggling, and the rest of the five were clinging to the tail of the plane. And 20 minutes later, 4.20 in the afternoon, the sun was going down. It was cold, ice-filled Potomac. A helicopter came and dropped a life ring A man grabbed it, handed it to the person next to him, and they were hoisted to safety. Every time the helicopter brought the person back to safety, came back for the next one, the life ring came to the same man, and every time he passed it off to the person next to him. It wasn't his wife, it wasn't his daughter, it wasn't his best friend. They were all strangers to him. He was holding life in his hands, and he gave it away freely. And by the time the helicopter came back, and he was the last one holding on, he slipped under the waters of the Potomac because of fatigue and the temperature of the water, and he drowned. His name, Arlen Williams, from Atlanta, Georgia, 46 years old. In fact, I named the bridge after Arlen Williams because of the courage and the self-sacrifice 
that he demonstrated that day. Do you realize that this mystery that Paul writes about, this relationship of Jesus and his church is modeled in Romans 5.8 that God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus brought the life ring to this world. And he said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. I will go to the cross. I will stay on the cross and pay for the sins of every person. I will give them the life ring. And there are some today that are reaching out for it and embracing it, and there are others that are just throwing it away. But your marriage with your spouse should model the life ring where you lay your life down for your spouse. You submit, you love the way Jesus modeled for the church. We were created out of love and we're called to love throughout our lives. That's God's plan. Will you let that happen? Aren't you tired of living a selfish life? Aren't you tired of being full of pride, wanting it your way? The Lord wants to work in and through your life to model the gospel to the world. Father, we thank you this morning for your love. We thank you that we're able to call on your great name And Lord, we think about relationships and how pride and selfishness get in the way of what is honoring to you. And we pray, Lord, this morning that we would come to you, Lord, and ask you for forgiveness and allow you to transform us into your image so we can submit, so we can love in a way that's honoring to you. Lord, we thank you that we don't have to try it on our own strength, but we can be empowered by your spirit. And so we're asking for that to happen. Will you do it, Lord? Will you do it, Lord, this morning? That the spiritual temperature of our homes would change because of choices and decisions that are being made right now. And so we thank you for that. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us, Lord. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name.